Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful Round Town, USA, where a young man texted his girlfriend and said, I hate to cancel. I know we made plans to get together tonight, but that was two hours ago. I was younger then, full of hope, but now I'm tired. <laughs> Later. This is yet another edition of God's Love Club, a podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout-out to spirit-led Christians everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you and ask for your favor and your blessing as we speak to your people. We ask that your revelation flow from our lips and that it be very understandable to those that have ears to hear in this generation. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Today, my co-host with the spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Round Town, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Round Town, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is The River of Revelation. Hey, Christy, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I am doing very well. We just had a nice walk. We saw around town and just got some exercise. So mm -hmm. we're doing well. Doing well. We're going to talk about God's river of revelation today. And by that, we mean the rhema of God. Now, what do we mean rhema? The rhema is kind of the sum total of every expression that God gives us of his nature. Now, one of those expressions is the written word, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm -hmm. But the entirety of God's revelation to us is his spoken word, his written word, his creation, his manifestation mm -hmm. of his nature in other people. And it goes on and on and on. In fact, everything that God made represents him in some way. And the river of revelation is like the Amazon. It's huge. It's long. It's deep. And we need to come to a point where we recognize God in whatever way he comes to us. Now, there is one God, and so there is one truth. It's not like all things are God. Mm -hmm. You know, rocks are not God. Stars are not God. These are things that God made. But the heavens do declare God's glory. We understand from the things made the power of the person who made them. So the river of revelation that we're talking about is the revelation of God to us as individuals. And we want to make the point today that in order to receive God's revelation, we must be willing to hear and obey it. Many times people are only able to hear God as they're willing to obey God. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not willing to do what God asked you to do, then you feign confusion. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And it's not that you don't know. It's not that God was unclear. It's just that you're really not willing to accept what he said and to live your life based on it. That's very true. And I think the idea that you have to obey in order to hear is really the key that we're talking about here. Because when God gives a direction to someone, a directive, he doesn't go back on that. 
if he says go left and you decide you're not going to go left, you're going to go straight, he's not going to say, oh, well, forget it. We'll just reroute. And, you know, he's not like your GPS lady that's going to reroute you and find a different way. He told you to go left back there and he's going to wait till you go back and go left. Exactly. Now, he's full of grace. And when we repent and when we say, I'm sorry, I made choices that I shouldn't have made and we go back and try to correct our paths, then he can work everything for our good and work wonderful things. But think about the rich young ruler. He really wanted to follow God. And when he asked Jesus what he needed to do, Jesus said, you've done all these things, but you lack one thing. Go and sell all you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And the young man went away sad and Jesus went his way and didn't pursue him. The point being that he was asked to do something And he heard him, but he didn't obey. And from that point on, as far as we know, he didn't hear Jesus. He didn't hear the callings. He didn't hear what it was that God wanted him to do because he couldn't obey that. I think we need to be careful to think that when God speaks to us and gives us a directive, leads us in some way, like you said, the heavens declare his glory and all of creation can be used by him to speak to us if he chooses. But when we hear him and he's speaking to us to do something, it's incumbent upon us to obey. And if we do obey, then our ability to hear increases. But if we don't obey, it's not like we are walking through a smorgasbord and we get to decide, today I'll do what God wants, tomorrow I'm going to do my thing, the next day I'll do what God wants, the next day I'll do my thing. He expects that when he speaks to us that we'll do what he says. And of course, we're not going to do it perfectly. And like I said, he has grace. But if we're not willing to do what he says, our ability to hear him dims. Exactly. The river of revelation flows in your life until you put up an impediment to it. In effect, you dam the river of revelation because at some point you may say, I don't want to do that. And we see in the Bible that example in the Old Testament where the children of Israel, they came to the promised land. They were about to cross over the river Jordan and go in to possess Canaan's land, the land flowing of milk and honey. But they sent out 12 spies, and 10 returned with an evil report, while two returned with a good report. Unfortunately, the people believed the evil report, and so they refused to enter into the promise of God. This offended God greatly. And what happened? Did God have plan B for them? No. Hmm. What they did is they ran around in the wilderness for 40 years until a new generation came up who was willing to obey God's voice. And what happened? They came back to the exact place where the children of Israel stood 40 years prior. And God had them go over that particular place. Why? Because that is what God wanted to do. He didn't have a plan B. He had a plan A that was fulfilled later in their lives while that unbelieving generation died in the wilderness. Oftentimes in our lives... When God's revelation is upon us, he speaks to us quite clearly. And he tells us exactly what he wants to do. And we just say no. Mm -hmm. Now we say no for a lot of different reasons. We are fearful. We have other things to do. People counsel us against following Mm -hmm. God. There's a multitude of excuses. But the bottom line is that we don't follow God's word. And so God says, okay. And we go around in our own personal wilderness until we decide that we will go back to that point where we diverged from his perfect will and do it. People don't understand that a lot of times the difficulty in their lives and their inability to hear God's voice is because they disobeyed his voice previously. Right. And God says, I already told you what I wanted you to do. 
I would like you to go back and do that, and then I'll say something else. There's no need to say a second thing to you if you will not mm -hmm. obey the first thing. And if you damn the river of revelation in your life, God cannot flow. And you'll feel that you're in a wilderness even though there's water on the other side of the dam. God is trying in this generation to raise up a people who will hear his voice personally and do his will individually hmm. so that they can accomplish his specific will for them. And if we all hear God's voice and do his will individually, then as the body of Christ will flow together, will become a mighty force in this world as we individually do the things of God. Because God is one. And if we know one God and do one God's will, then we will act in unity. We will be of one spirit. And we will accomplish the things of God that we never thought we could because we will be one with him and therefore one with each other. Yeah, that's right. If you're at a point in your life where you know there was a time in your past where you were able to hear God clearly, and now for some reason you just can't hear him, you think he's not speaking to you, I would encourage you to look back to where you heard God last. When do you remember hearing him and what did he ask you to do? What did he say to you? And see if that's where you've gotten off. Because what enables us to hear God is being close to him and belonging to him and being his sheep. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. If we're in the flock that's around Jesus, we will hear his voice. If we belong to him, we will hear his voice. But if we wander off, we're not going to hear him. The sheep that wanders from the fold and goes away from the shepherd, when the shepherd says, okay, flock, let's go this direction, and you go the opposite way, you're not going to be able to hear him when he says, okay, time for dinner. Exactly. And it's our responsibility to stay close to him. We stay close to him by going where he's going, not by going our own way and hoping that he follows. We stay close to him by going where he's going. And the closer we are to him and the more we are obedient to where he is asking us to go, it's not even necessarily big directions in life. It could be just little things like, I want you to get up 10 minutes earlier this morning and spend some time in prayer. It could be little things like go next door and bring some banana bread to your neighbor who's been bedridden for a while or whatever it is that he asks you to do. It doesn't have to be a big thing like moving to another country, selling all and becoming a missionary. It's just whatever he speaks to you to do. What choice is it really if we say, no, God, I don't want to do this. I'm going to do things my own way. And then that puts us on a path of separation from God. How is that going to end up better for us than doing what God has asked us to do? I really believe that. In my own life, I was saved at about 12 years old at a Bible Baptist camp. And I really felt God. I mean, the Spirit of God was on me, and I was just walking on cloud nine. And I didn't really have any fellowship in the churches I went to really weren't spirit-filled, and there was really nothing to attract me, but I did feel the Spirit of God. Gradually, as I got older, I drifted farther and farther away from God. I went to college, and I really didn't feel drawn to engineering as I thought I would be. So obviously, the thing to do was go buy a bunch of pigs and be a pig farmer. And that's exactly <laughs> what I did. I was going to make my fortune in pork. And so I just put myself into that. I had hundreds and hundreds of pigs with this other guy. And I remember my friend, who was a practicing Christian, came over and asked me, what are you doing? I said, I'm raising pigs. Do you really think God wants you to do that? 
Well, I don't know. I don't really talk to him much. Mm. He says, well, would you allow me to pray with you? I said, sure. And so he prayed this prayer. Father, if it's not your will that Michael raised pigs, please let him know. And so, fine. Big deal. Easy enough. <laughs> not a problem. About a week later, my pigs started to die. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was like a biblical plague. <sighs> they just started dropping like flies. You know, and I remembered vaguely in the Bible where it says, Come out from among them, my people, and touch not the unclean thing. As my pigs were just dying everywhere. And from 350 sows, I was left at the end with like 20 little piglets. Oh my gosh. And I got the message. And I went back to college. And then I started going to a noon Bible study. And somebody came from a Bible college and told me about studying the Word of God. And I said, wow, that's what I want to do. So I quit college again and I went to Bible college, which really upset my parents. Mm. But it was God's call in my life. I wanted to know God. And raising pigs simply was not the will of God, oddly enough. <laughs> and I found that out in no uncertain way. And when I returned to knowing Jesus and seeking his voice and seeking his word, then the revelation of God got unstuck in my life mm. and I started hearing his voice again. Mm -hmm. I started feeling him. So the revelation that God wants us to have today is in order to hear God's voice, you've got to be willing to obey it. And when you say, oh Lord, speak to me, speak to me, and God says something, and it doesn't jive with what you want to do, you drop what you want to do, you drop the pigs, yeah. and you go to Bible college. Right. Or you stop dating the person that he doesn't want you to be with, and you go do something else. You know, whatever it is. And you can just bet that anything that God tells you is going to be about 180 degrees out yep. from what you think you should do. Because <laughs> God is spirit, and you are naturally minded. Really, a lot of times, the hallmark of God's revelation, it doesn't make sense. Look at him all throughout Scripture. Did God do much of anything all throughout the Old or New Testament that made sense? Really, he didn't. Everything that God did was just weird and out of sync with how people thought things should be. The moral of the story is, when your pigs drop, <laughs> you know you're not in the will of God and you need to change. My swine were not fine. <laughs> And I had a similar experience because I was spirit-filled when I was 19 years old and really wanted to follow God. He led me down some paths in my life and got into a situation where I was with a group that didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit anymore and didn't want to follow the leading of the Spirit and got very much into natural-minded thinking. People that had been really moving in the Spirit of God with signs and wonders decided that wasn't from God and moved into just a very structured, word-based, which ultimately became legalistic lifestyle. And as I pursued God and felt like there was more, I got to a point where I recognized that I was not doing everything God wanted me to do. The parable of the talents haunted me. To those who are given much, much is required. And that would haunt me because I knew I had been called to a lot of things. I know I had seen pictures of what God wanted me to do. I could feel in my spirit, in my heart that he was calling me, but I wasn't doing it. I was stuck in this sort of legalistic, very much involved in church, but not really being led by the spirit. In fact, not being led by the spirit at all, just being led by common sense and how you take scripture and apply it with your mind. 
until I really decided I wanted to give everything to God. And I remember praying over and over, I just want you, Jesus, and everything you want for me, nothing more and nothing less. And my life had gotten to the point where it was just difficult, 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 difficult. And I prayed that prayer to just get me out of that slump. There came a point in time when life started getting harder and harder, and God spoke to me clearly and said, I want you to get up at this particular time every morning and spend a tithe of your day, which is 2.4 hours, with me in prayer. And that seemed absolutely ridiculous. I couldn't even pray for 15 minutes at the time. But I got up, I would get up early, and depending on what time I had to leave, I would have to back it up. There was a time when we had an early morning prayer meeting at the church that started at 6, and he still wanted me to pray with him two hours before, so I would get up at 3.30 in the morning. And at first I thought it was ridiculous, and then it became my lifeblood. And I came to know God in such an amazing way, and the Spirit of God filled me again, and I started moving in the spirit again and hearing his voice and developing such an intimate love relationship with him. It was absolutely amazing. And as that grew and I got connected to him again, I started hearing his voice so clearly. And I realized that he was leading me on a path that was very, very clear and defined. And as I started to move that path, I realized that there were people in my life that couldn't go with me, didn't want to go with me. And so he moved me on. That was a difficult walk, but it came from my hearing his voice and being obedient to him And now I'm at a point where I hear his voice so clearly and try to do everything. Of course, nobody does everything he says perfectly, but I feel so connected to him that I can feel a prompting of his spirit to look at a reduced price rack at Walmart and find an exact pair of pants that is exactly what I want and was looking for for $3. That's the leading of the spirit in my life these days that he is so specifically guiding me because I tried to do what he tells me to do. I tried to move when I believe that it's him. And the life that he's led me into is so incredibly blessed and bountiful. And everything that I wanted and everything that he's called me to, I'm starting to walk in. I would have never gotten here if I hadn't obeyed his voice. And I couldn't obey his voice when I couldn't hear him. And what blocked the river of my revelation was pulling away from the Spirit and just getting so locked into do's and don'ts and rules and legalism that I couldn't hear when the Spirit of God was telling me things because they weren't fitting with standards that the people around me lived by. So it was difficult. I would not have been able to hear him if I had stayed in that. So obedience and hearing God go together. And the more you're working toward being obedient in your heart, you want to be obedient, the more you will hear him. That's absolutely true. And a lot of people, they're kind of stuck in the mud of this life. They're struggling, and every step they take forward seems to be with great effort. And they wonder where the blessing of God is, and where the voice of their Father is, where the feeling of being near their Father is. And nine times out of ten, it's because we failed to obey Him when He first spoke to us. What we need to do is change our position. If we're not where God is, we need to go where God is at. And that may be changing your position in your heart, changing your position in your mind. You know, maybe your doctrine is holding you up. Maybe you need to change your position physically and go someplace else and be with some other different people. Whatever we need to do to come back into alignment with God really wanted us, that is the most important thing that we can do right now. The revelation that I'm receiving is like a river, and it just keeps flowing. As long as I say yes to God, I still receive his word. I receive 
his words of knowledge, I receive the visions, I receive all these things that make it possible to speak his truth. But if I decide not to obey him, that dims and that restricts that flow. The thing is, in this latter days, and we're right at the end of the church age, make no mistake about it, things are going on right now that are going to radically change all our lives. And instead of preparing naturally, what we really need to do is prepare spiritually. Because if we hear the voice of God, God will tell us what we need to do in Mm -hmm. the time that we need to do it. We live in a generation that is steeped in strong delusion. The darkness that has come upon this world is truly staggering. And because we've grown up in it, we don't realize how deep this pitch black darkness of our hearts is. And it's getting worse day by day. Now, I know there's a lot of people that say, the end of the world is coming. Well, not quite, but pretty close. The Antichrist spirit is really alive and well on planet Earth. And right along with it is the harlot spirit that is trying to take over the world. The thing about strong delusion is in order to fight it, you have to receive strong revelation. The light that you have inside you has to be brighter than the darkness that seeks to engulf you. And this is only possible if we listen to God's voice. We need to know the voice of God. He's the one that will lead us in paths of righteousness. He's the one that will instruct us in wisdom. He's the one that will tell us that we shouldn't do certain things because they're not his will. And unless we are individually hooked up to God, we will not understand what's going on around us. God is switching from an established visible church to personal relationships with individuals within his body. Because you need to go directly to God. You need to hear God's voice and know his truth yourself so that you can be led individually by his Holy Spirit. And you need to learn now. You need to know his voice now so that when it does get tough, you'll have confidence Mm -hmm. in how he speaks to you. You'll know the voice of your master and you'll follow him contrary to anything else that anybody tells you. And you know, there's a lot of teachings out there and books written on how to hear the voice of God. It's not a 10-step program, and it's not anything complicated. You hear God's voice by knowing Him, by drawing near to Him, because He speaks to us. And Jesus promised His sheep will hear His voice. A lot of times when we think about hearing from God, we expect it to be something grand, like handwriting on the wall, like in the Old Testament, or the earth shaking, and you hear this voice booming from heaven, or a big fire, and then God speaks out of the fire. But think back to all the times in the Bible, Old and New Testament, when God spoke so loud to get people's attention, it wasn't a good thing. When he wrote the handwriting on the wall, it was because those people were not listening to him. And he had to get their attention, and it was a warning. Right. When he spoke with a voice that thundered, it was terrifying to the people that heard. When Jesus was on earth, the only time it was recorded that there was an audible voice heard was when the Spirit of God came down like a dove, and God said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That voice was given for the purpose of those around him, not him. He didn't need to have an audible voice. The Father lived in him, and he was so connected to the Father, he heard him all the time. When the Apostle Paul was Saul, and he got struck on the road to Damascus, there was a voice that came down that told him, why are you persecuting me? 
and the people around him said it thundered. Well, we know later on that Paul had a close relationship with God and God could just speak to him and through him and in his spirit. But we tend to look at those big things and think, wow, if God would just come to me like that, I would know it was him. But you don't want God to have to get loud. Kind of like your parents when you were little. If they spoke exactly. to you softly, all was well. But if they raised their voice, uh-oh, you're in trouble. It's the same thing with God. You don't want him to have to get loud. You want to have that relationship with him where you just feel that prompting to do what he wants you to do, to know that he's right there with you. I cannot tell you how personal he can become to you when you are just living your daily life and things that you forgot that he'll remind you of or things that he wants you to do that he'll prompt you to do. That's the way that we live. And so the way to hear God's voice is to know him, to draw near to him, to be so close to him that you hear his voice. When we are so accustomed to hearing somebody's voice, we recognize them just by the sound of their voice. When they call and if their face doesn't pop up on your phone so you know it's them, you can just tell by hearing their voice. They don't even have to say their name. They just say, hey, how's it going? And you know who it is. Why do you know one person's voice as opposed to somebody else? Because you're around that person. You hear them a lot. You interact with them. That's the way that we learn to hear God's voice. It's the same thing. The more we're around him, the more we hear him. And the more we respond to what he's asking us to do and we see success, the more our confidence grows that we are hearing him. Amen to that. I agree. The revelation of God is vast. It's like an ocean. And a lot of people in their Christian lives think that everything's kind of nailed down. All the doctrines have been figured out. All the teaching is there in their commentaries and from their pastor. It's kind of a well-worn path. And they figure it's all there is. But that's not true. The revelation of God is like Niagara Falls. I mean, you could take buckets of it all day and give it to somebody and there'd be no less. The raiment of God is infinite. And we only can see a very small portion of it. And God is the one that needs to lead and guide us to partake of it at certain places for ourselves and our lives so that we will be instructed in righteousness. I came to this realization because in Bible college, in our pride, we really thought that we kind of had everything nailed down. We even thought we had revelation figured out. <laughs> About the only book we didn't really know what it meant was Daniel. But, you know, we know that it was sealed up till the end. <laughs> but we were pretty close. And... I thought I knew kind of everything there was to know. Mm. And when God showed up in a revival that came to our church, lo and behold, he was a lot different than what I'd been taught. In fact, he didn't care about fitting within my doctrine. And that was a crisis for me because I really thought I knew how God was based on how I interpreted his word, based on how other people that were learned interpreted his word. And when he came, he wasn't nearly as legalistic as I was. <laughs> and he had a lot more grace than I did, yeah. both for myself and other people around me. And things I had been taught that were cornerstones of my faith, he didn't care about. Now that was shocking. And I had to make a choice. I had to decide whether I was going to listen to his voice. I knew it was his voice. Was I going to listen to his spirit or was I going to go by what I had been taught? And for me, I was a zealot and I really believed what I'd been taught. And I had to come to the point where I said, you know, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to cast in my lot with 
the voice of God that I hear. And I didn't hold anything back. I didn't keep any of my doctrine that he didn't agree with. And over a year and a half, God lovingly but firmly instructed me on what I got wrong. And everything just started unraveling in my mind. And God did that over and over and over on every major doctrine I had wrong. And what I had once believed was so much fervor, I now had to cast aside in order to follow God in the truth. Now, that was hard to do. Because I had spent five years of my life learning all that stuff. I tell you these things so that you as an individual will learn that you need to hear God for yourself because only you will give an account of your life. When you enter into God's revelation, you leave the solid ground of the earth. That is very true, yes. The water of God's word, the real Holy Spirit, takes you and you move with it. You don't make it do what you want to do. Exactly. It grabs you, and if you allow it to, it will take you where God's going. And you will not have to work at it. You'll just have to yield to it. Yeah, it's a yielding, not a working. I remember as a kid when I'd go into a river and I stood still. There was a lot of resistance. But if I just let myself float, it would just take me and it was effortless. Yes, that's right. That's exactly how it's supposed to work. We float in the river of what God's saying. We don't control it. It's not our job to control the flow of the river. It's our job to get in the river and float and go where he's going. And we have to be willing to accept whatever God wants to speak and not have any preconceived notions that God wouldn't say that. This isn't God. Because we may have misunderstood something that we were so sure is what God said in his word. It may not be as clear and black and white as we think. Think about the early church who knew that God was coming for the Jews, that they were the chosen people, that Jesus had come as the Jewish Messiah to save the Jews, and that there was even a Gentile woman that came up to him wanting something from him, and he said, I've not come to you, I've come to the nation of Israel. They had that teaching, they had that understanding. And as the Spirit of God was moving on them as a new church, some believing Gentiles decided they wanted this same God, and they prayed, and they accepted the salvation, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And then the early church was in a dilemma. This can't be God. God doesn't do this. We know he's a Jewish God. He would not do this. But they couldn't deny that God was doing it. Thankfully, they were in a place where they were really trying to yield to the Spirit of God. It was all new to them. There was nobody that had done this type of thing before, but they were willing to listen. They knew his voice, and so they walked in obedience to what he said. Sometimes they got off here and there, but for the most part, they really wanted to do what he said. And their conclusion was, We can't deny that the Holy Spirit has fallen upon these men, just like he fell upon us. So if God is going there, who are we to say we're not going to go there? It's the same thing like Jesus walking in to have dinner in a tax collector's house, and his disciples had to stay outside. (laughs) If God is okay going in there, if Jesus is okay going in there, who are we to set up a boundary and say, no, that can't happen? Because what happened is that Jesus went in and had these wonderful conversations with the tax collectors and sinners that the disciples weren't a part of because they weren't close to him. And if the early church had decided this isn't God falling on the Gentiles, he wouldn't do that and backed off of it, God would have moved with the Gentiles and gone forward in what he wanted to do and those men would have been left behind. Our job is to follow where God is going, not dictate where he's going and to allow our spirits, not our minds, but our spirits to be open to what it is that he is saying because our minds may not have a full understanding of what God is doing. In fact, they most likely don't. 
Exactly. They most likely don't. And this is shocking to many people because they put a lot of faith in their church. They put a lot of faith in their teachers. They put a lot of faith in the doctors of the law. The fallacy is that you have to be learned in order to follow God. Exactly. You just have to follow God. You have to obey, right. The Bible is written so that a fool need mm-hmm. not err therein. If you're simply listening to the voice of God and do what he says when he says to do it, with whomever he says to do it, you'll be doing more. I'm going to say something to people in the sound of my voice, and I want you to listen to me. And I want you to listen not because I am any great thing, but I want you to listen for your benefit. People who stand against the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking of the tongues, are deceived by the spirit of Antichrist. When you deny the Spirit of God... When you will not accept the free gift of Luke chapter 11, you are deceived. In this day and age, it is not enough to be merely saved. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to yield your tongue to God. And not only that, you need to enter into the final feast. You need to enter into the Feast of Tabernacles, where not only your tongue is yielded to God, but everything your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your intellect, your heart, your spirit is given over to God so that you become a manifestation, a son of God Mm. here on earth. It is not enough to merely know that Jesus Christ died for your sins because we are in a strong delusion. We are in a darkness like the darkness in Egypt at the time of Moses. A darkness that you could feel. I can feel the darkness. But God had to wake me up in order to realize where we are at. I used to think that the darkness was coming. Then I realized the darkness was almost here. And then I woke up and I realized, oh my God, the darkness surrounds me. And until God gives you the light in order to see what's going on, you're just not going to realize it because the whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. And that's because they're asleep. That's because they have been lulled into a slumber of their souls and their spirits until they don't understand what's going on around us. They don't understand the abject evil that is being perpetrated in the name of a false god that is about to appear on the world stage. This is what is coming. This is why we implore you to learn to hear God's voice, to hear God's voice so you can have his revelation, so that you, like some godly energizer bunny, can be energized from heaven and not rely on some plug-in in some church where you have to go there every week and get charged up. This is crunch time. And I'm telling you before it gets dire, we are coming into a season where the Holy Spirit will be absolutely necessary. The Antichrist is the epitome of a natural-minded man. In fact, there is no spirit in him except the spirit of the devil. And he will make sense to those who only see with their eyes and only hear with their ears naturally. I want you to take the things that we say 
the things that make sense to your spirit. I'm not talking to your head. I'm not talking to your understanding. I am talking to the spirit of God that dwells within you. I want you to understand by the spirit the days that we are in so that some may be saved. I don't want a single soul to suffer loss eternally because nobody told them that they needed to know God's voice for themselves. themselves. Yeah. It's like the words of Keith Green. The world is sleeping in the dark that the church just can't fight because the church is asleep in the light. That's mm. exactly yes. what is happening. And a lot of you are even turned off by the word revelation. There's so many Christians that believe there is no new revelation. There is no fresh oh, anything. Word, yes. We're not talking about a new gospel. We're not talking about a new doctrine. We're talking about God revealing to you his plan for you as an individual. God's not going to come to us and rewrite the gospel. God is coming to us individually to guide us to say, danger's coming, go this direction. Danger's coming, store up food. Danger's coming, move to this town. Or I want to bless you, do this. I want to bless you, accept this. I want to bless you, stop this relationship with this person you're dating and go to this person. Whatever it is that God has for us is for our blessing, it's for our safety, it's for our protection. And we have to hear him individually because there are a lot of different directions that the body of Christ is going to have to move in in this day and age. We move by the flow of the Spirit individually as he leads us. And that's how we're going to be safe. That's how we're going to be effective for his kingdom. And that's how we're going to have that peace that we need to have to be able to live in these times. There is a peace available to us that is there no matter what's going on in the world. But we can only achieve that when we stay close to God and hear his voice and obey him. So revelation is not some scary word that a Christian shouldn't pay any attention to. Revelation just means God wants to reveal to you his will for you. And it's up to you to listen to what he is saying to you. He's not going to speak to anyone else about you if you're listening. And he wants to speak to you about you. So we just encourage you to listen to him and hear what he has to say to you. (laughs) Don't make a (laughs) U-turn. Oh, my word. Well, that's all we have time for this week on God's Love Club. We thank you for staying till the end. We love you. We are so blessed that you are listening to us. Mm. Take that which you find profitable Mm -hmm. and add that to your collection of things that God is showing you. The things you don't understand, the things that don't make sense, don't worry about them. Right. But first, a word from our sponsor. Reverend of the First Church of the Superficial, where we are increased with goods and have need of practically nothing. Today, I am going to start the first in a series on the book of Revelation. Now, this book is hard. This book is mysterious. This book is sealed to all those who do not understand the deep things of God. But never fear, the Righteous Reverend is here. And we're going to start with this chart. I've made this chart over many, many years. I I need to fold it out here. 
and it's got the page one here and then here now now bring another five easels please we're just okay now here no oh, okay good good yeah we'll just fold it out we'll, we won't do all of them we're just going to do the page 23 today yeah there you go now right here we are talking about the seven churches of revelation and these are seven churches that got prophesized that will typify seven ages and we're right here at the church of philadelphia and the church of laodicea you got brotherly love and then you have a church that is increased with goods and have need of nothing now what does that sound like yes you're getting it you're getting the revelation it's dawning on you you are right in the middle of the bible you are sitting in prophecy right now because we are a church that have increased with goods that have needed nothing and it says this in the bible that there's a church that is increased with goods that have needed nothing wow isn't that something? I've been studying that one verse for hours. It just blesses my socks off. And I want you to know that you are sitting in a church that's full of prophecy. The more you come and listen to me, the greater the blessings of God will be in your life. Amen. This has been a righteous moment with the righteous reverend. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to God's Love Club. We love you. We bless you. Have a great seven days in your week, and we'll see you next time on another edition of God's Love Club. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. What? I just wanted to read verse 17 to you. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not eat a thing. But you, Amen. But you do not realize that you are rich and pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. What? What <laughs> translation are you reading? That can't be in the original Greek. No, 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 no. No! Hope not. Well...